Review of the Lord's Prayer in the Early Church by B.B. Warfield This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lord's Prayer in the Early Church by Frederick Henry Chase, B.D., Principal of the Clergy Training School, Cambridge. Texts and Studies, Contributions to Biblical and Patristic Literature, Edited by J. Armitage Robinson, B.D., Fellow of Christ's College, Cambridge, Volume 1, Number 3, Cambridge, The University Press, Octavo, Pages 12 to 179, Price 5 Shillings. The title of this interesting little book hardly describes its contents. It is less an exposition of the use, fortunes, and forms of the Lord's Prayer in the early church than a study of the Lord's Prayer itself, its original wording and meaning. More than half of it is devoted to a very thorough discussion of the meaning of the much-discussed petition, Deliver us from the evil one. This begins with a careful investigation of the usage of the prepositions ek and apo after verbs of delivering, the result of which has, however, only a negative value, continues with a valuable word study of oponeros and closes with an extended statement of the evidence for the gender of tuponeru. There is much very interesting material in this discussion which no one would willingly spare, and some things, especially in the way of exegesis, which seem overstrained. With Mr. Chase's decision for the masculine understanding of the phrase, I personally, on the whole, accord but is it not a mistake to attempt to demonstrate its correctness? The truth obviously is that we have here an expression flexible to either interpretation, and this possibility of his own interpretation is all that results from the elaborate investigations of Canon Cook or Dr. Lightfoot, of Mr. Chase or Professor Potwin. Only contextual considerations in such a case can be decisive of the intended meaning, and these are so subtle that they must be felt rather than reasoned out. When the clause, but deliver us from the evil one, is read, as it ought to be, not as an independent petition, but in immediate connection with the preceding clause, lead us not into temptation, as forming with it a single petition, positively and negatively stated. It seems to me that most men will, at the worst, undergo an experience similar to that which Dr. Vaughan speaks of as attending the presentation of some unfamiliar reading. At first sight, the suggestion is repelled as unintelligible, startling, almost shocking. By degrees, light dawns upon it, it finds its plea and its palliation. At last, in many instances, it is accepted as adding force and beauty to the context, and a conviction gradually forms itself that thus and not otherwise was it written. Preface to the third edition of his St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, with notes. Others of Mr. Chase's conclusions are more difficult to follow. He considers Don Epiusion in the third petition no part of the original Lord's Prayer at all, though it occurs in both Gospels and in all copies, but a liturgical word invented as the substitute of Semeron and Dokath Emeran. There seems no sufficient justification for so violent an hypothesis. Certainly no additional likelihood accrues to it from the equally unfounded general theory that the two evangelists record the prayer not as spoken by Christ, but as current in the liturgical use of their time, not in its first but in its later form. Nor can I account successfully attempt to connect the variation in the first half of the second petition, 
thy kingdom come, which is found inter alia in Codex 700 with liturgical offices. The paleographical explanation that it is a marginal gloss, explanatory of the meaning of the petition, afterwards taken into the text, is both in itself more likely and is supported by the fact that it has been taken into the text at different points. In like manner the addition of upon me to the first petition seems a textual gloss. Mr. Chase's introductory remarks, pages 1 to 21, have a very special interest of their own. His conception of the relation of the church to the synagogue is not only admirably stated and illustrated, but seems the one conception which will adequately explain the origin and development of the church order, government, and worship, which are made known to us by the early Christian records. It is a pleasure to observe in progress a pretty general return to this conception in the light of the fuller investigations of our day. End of Review of The Lord's Prayer in the Early Church by B.B. B. Warfield